0: Well, we heard a couple of weeks ago about how a shortage of mineral resources might be the real crisis we face in the future alongside climate change, but perhaps the impacts will be felt quicker. We've already seen supply shortages from COVID disruption, but is this just a foretaste of what's to come and how do we adapt to a future where anything that is resource intensive is very expensive? and still keep the economy running that's today on the debunking economics podcast with professor steve keen i'm phil dobby welcome along well one of the outcomes of covid19 has been supply shortages And labour shortages, that is certainly being experienced here in the UK. It's meant prices are being pushed higher. Labour costs are increasing. Uh, Demand might be coming back, but supply is extremely constrained. In Britain, you can then add the impact of Brexit to those supply concerns. The number of large trucks, for example, heading into Dover in the first five months of this year are 15% down on last year, 27% down on the year before. So you can see how stuff just isn't uh, wheeling its way in and out of the country. But that's all Brexit and COVID. What if supply falls more permanently? Because as we discussed a, a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, resources become more scarce. For example, Taiwan semi-manufacturing, uh, Semiconductor Manufacturing, TMSC, the world's uh, second largest uh, or actually maybe the largest maker of semiconductors, is planning to increase prices by 10 to 20%, according to a Wall Street Journal report this week, simply because uh, of the, the difficulties in getting the materials that they need. So, Steve, we we were in a, a low inflation environment before the pandemic, uh, but it, I mean, surely if we've got shortages of supply, short term and long term, but we've still got that demand there, then th- that that's uh, prices can only rise, can't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things which I'm going to have. I, I, I've, I've, clearly, obviously, the supply prices go through the roof if you if you simply. If it's simply physically costing you more to produce it, then you've got to, as a, as a producer, you've got to put a markup on that price that enables you to at, le- at least have a possibility of selling it for a profit. Um, but the the, the, the drawback uh, for that is that, uh, and, and this is where economic theory is, is as usual, completely misleading. Um, uh, but when you, when you have a fall in your um, supply capacity because some essential resource is not coming in. Your costs of production go up uh, substantially uh, for two reasons. One is the volume. Also, 3 you're paying more for the input. So bang up go your input prices. Uh m- Possibly even more importantly, the volume you can put through your factory falls, and because fixed costs are far and away the largest cost, particularly if things like so semiconductors. I mean, the the, the, co- the cost of a, a semiconductor factory is measured in the billions of dollars. Okay, so the fixed costs are enormous, uh, and and because you're amortising those fixed costs over a smaller level of output, then your per unit costs. Also, rise just because of the increase in fixed costs. So, you've got increased supply costs, you've got increased uh, fixed costs per unit, and your productivity, or you mean, what's what's uh, neoclassicals have this crazy idea that your marginal productivity falls with uh, rising outputs so here, costs rise. The exact opposite is the rule in normal factories uh, because they're designed to be most efficient at full capacity as you reduce it. Uh, as you force to reduce your go out level below capacity uh, the cost per unit a uh, variable cost per unit also rises so everything is driving up price uh, driving up costs and then if you're doing what virtually all manufacturers do and that's markup pricing you you have a you know have a cost level predominantly determined in most industries by your wages and then you mark up on top of that um, uh, that, that tendency means you're just going to simply pri- going to be forced to pass on the prices. But then what happens, this is the, the tricky bit, uh, is, is, is this a sustained push for inflation or is it going to mean your demand collapses? And, uh, and that's the part that I, you know, I'm I'm still scratching my own head over my.
0: But I mean, expectations- I mean, it's it's finding its level, isn't it, really? Because if if there's a shortage of supply and you can't produce as much, then uh, then there's not going to be as great a demand. So so higher prices are. I mean, as you're saying, a lot of it will be sort of driven by the cost, which will increase because of uh, costs along the supply chain. But well, there'll also be an element won't there, of just charging what you can get away with if you're producing something and a lot of people want it and uh, there's not many of them, then you can go well, okay, I'm just going to give it to. You was going to pay the most for it.
1: The question is whether there's enough of those for you to be profitable. Uh, and I like, the, the actually, so I saw some uh, an interesting uh, um, when you're looking at the, I mean, my, my this is my Elon Musk fanboy stuff. Checking out the um, the the uh, costs of the solar uh, Solar City, the, the, the roof tiles that uh, an offspring a spring a off from Tesla produces. That are both roof tiles and solar collectors, and they said that them their costs were higher because the volume of sales was lower. Now, at a certain, if you, this keeps on going backwards, uh, it gets to a point where you 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 simply can no longer price it at a level that it, that it's a mass uh, a mass consumption item. Uh, the only people who can afford it are the uber wealthy, and then a whole lot of stuff which was once mass market and was tending further towards mass market becomes niche and, uh, and just the... And the thing is, at that level, a lot of the firms producing it are going to go bankrupt. But
0: we are producing too much anyway. I mean, that was the discussion we were having a couple of weeks ago, wasn't yeah. it? So maybe yeah. maybe we we, are. we need we to are. go through yeah. this. I mean, we don't want to go through this to the stage where uh, anything which is uh, worth anything at all only goes to the rich people. There needs to be a way that it can be managed through through all of society. But maybe this is the uh, the hurt we need to feel. That we consume less, so therefore we produce less. And companies will go to the wall, but that's what you expect if, we, if we're if we a, a society which is over-consuming, or at least over-consuming stuff. I mean, we can consume services which aren't necessarily uh, putting pressure on the environment, but actually physical stuff. We need to make less of it. So isn't that a good thing?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing in in terms of, yes, we're f- this will finally um, mean that we respond to the damage we've done to the environment uh, thus far. But the thing is that the response could mean that, that that society collapses completely and we go back to banging a couple of rocks together, uh, preferably on the head of the person next door who's got more stuff than you've got. So that what We weren't worried about global
0: this, this, warming in those days, though, yeah. you know? It's uh, we're, no, no, just, yeah. worried about survival, uh, but yeah, global warming wasn't on their agenda for cavemen. No, uh, no nothing so, like
1: we, it, and, and we, that's what we, this is. Where, this is Tim Garrett's work. If you look at my you know, my friend and colleague Tim Garrett, who's coming at economics from a thermodynamics uh, and uh, atmospheric physics point of view, his argument has been that uh, we we inevitably the more energy we access. Or can access, the more we'll use, we'll drive ourselves into a crisis, uh, and then we'll collapse from that. So that we're back to the level where we're just the same as the other animals, in the sense that all we're able to exploit is the uh, the energy, uh, you know, the flow coming from the from the sun, uh, picked up by those solar collectors called plants, and and uh, and processed by those uh, uh, fa- uh, coal factories called animals. Uh, as much as we can manage to catch them in other words we could have a return to a stone age uh, coming out of this and I think that's a terrifying thought um, uh, both in terms of humanity you know humans and souls and what they experience but uh, also the knowledge will lose and and this this is the scary it is not a good thing and and the whole like in many ways and this is one of the ironies the whole limits to growth movement is interpreted as being anti, uh, the way the neoclassicals talked about it—you know, anti-human, anti-sophisticated uh, uh, society, anti-consumption, anti-progress. No, it was the only way to be able to maintain progress for the long future, and we've completely uh, uh, ruined that uh, that guidance. And now we may be facing the consequences. That the option we face is a Stone Age one.
0: I've just come back from uh, a week's holiday in Cornwall, uh, and uh, I stayed. Uh, in a in a town that are just in Newquay, which had just held the what's called the Boardmasters Festival, which is a surfing and music festival, uh, I, I, one of the many uh-huh. super spreader events that you can take part in in the UK. Uh, and so Newquay for a while had uh, last week, basically while I was there, I think had one of the uh, highest uh, COVID rates in the country. Consequently, eating out was impossible because lots of restaurants were closed because they couldn't get the staff. Uh, there were supply shortages, and we heard in the UK how uh, McDonald's can't get milkshakes. For for example, because of supply shortages, uh, hmm. so basically we ate out for lunch one day, but that was all we managed. Uh, everything, everything else just impossible to find a restaurant which you, was either open or had space for you. Uh, so there we were, adjusting to uh, to a new normal, as as was everybody else. We, we were being less consumerist. We spent less money. We did less help for the uh, for the local economy. Uh, and I'm just wondering whether you know uh, this is a sign of w- of where we're heading.
1: It could be, and and I think it is. Unfortunately, I think it is the sign of where we're heading because uh, the, the scale of climate breakdown that we, we, we face uh, is, is beyond. Uh, you, you, as I saw someone writing on, on Twitter a while ago, you can't think science to understand or to comprehend what it might mean. You've got to think science fiction, and uh, like I, I'm not, no, I'm, no, I'm a great fan of Kim Stanley Robinson, who wrote the. I think the moving Mars series or the greening Mars, red Mars, Green Mars, Blue Mars series, which I thought was superb. And I'm sure they're there's some of the books that inspired Elon Musk and his, you know, colonized Mars ambitions as well uh I, i'm no i'm no great fan of the last book which is called ministry for the future uh because it cops out it basically says oh we, we solve it all using international bureaucracy well i mean that's more fiction than fiction frankly
0: um or oh, one world one world government sort of stuff
1: yeah well, the, the ministry for the future comes along and we managed to do this we manage to do that and thank god we escaped through the end and i, I would have preferred and i told the uh, i was actually going to suggest we interview him on this program we might still try doing it um but I would have preferred to see a sliding doors ending. You know, one way we manage to survive it by doing all the right thing. The other thing, everything goes wrong and we collapse. Uh, but the opening point that he, the opening chapter, which is w- very much worth reading, and I think you can find that on the internet as well. You, you know, buying the book was a good idea. Uh, no, not as good as buying uh, red Mars, uh, green Mars, blue Mars, but still, you know, worth supporting a a, a very decent and far-thinking author. Um, but in that opening chapter, what he has is a wet-bulb catastrophe taking place, I think, in northern India. And an entire city, everybody dies. You're talking, you know, like a Indian city, 10, 15 million people, everybody dies. Uh, and that then provokes India into um, rogue... Um, Seeding of the atmosphere to reduce temperatures, and then you have this ministry being formed, so that it's an international, internationally coordinated effort to try to reverse the damage we've done. And you know, we all end up living happily ever after at the end of the book, which is the part I, th- I think is you know j- just naive, unfortunately, given how bright the opening or bright, bright and, and terrifying the opening was. Um, but yeah, it's something of that scale and. And and only, I think, when, when that happens, I mean, not when you lose like a German village and 200 people die, but when something on a, on a scale that wipes out a city or a country, uh, then we'll realize, holy shit, this is serious. And I don't think we're going to do anything up to that point. And then the question is, well, if that happens, uh, what, what could happen to agricultural production if, for example... Um, uh, a set of storms wipe out the sure. agricultural sure we get banks more we get more,
0: we get more scarcity exactly and even without cl- yeah. climate warming that's what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago wasn't it yeah. about the scarce, yeah. the scarcity of resources I- independent of climate change obviously the two are the two are very linked and is mm. that going to is that going to keep on pushing prices up are we are we going to get inflation because of this shortage of of supply which is what we were talking about just a few moments ago and And that is a difficult environment for central banks. I mean there's no there's no role for monetary policy in all of this is it because it, it proves it, it it is just inept at dealing with this because we're going to have yeah. uh, uh, we're going to have rising inflation driven by supply uh, if they go, "Oh my goodness, we've got inflation, we better push up interest rates that, that's not going to slow that, that, that impact. That is the wrong weapon for the problem.
1: Well, it'll actually, bank again, that's the point. It'll bankrupt the companies that are already, you know, yeah. if, if you have companies which are carrying some debt and, and we've got the highest level of corporate debt in human history right now, uh, carrying some debt and then you have a, a collapse in supply, which means they have to put their prices up because they're paying more for the inputs, Uh, and then having done that, their demand is insufficient, so they're losing money. And then if you say, we're going to charge you more interest on your debt, well, bang, that's just going to accelerate bankruptcy, shut the doors. Yeah. so there's and, nothing and, they and can then, do. Yeah. There's,
0: no, there's nothing they can do to, to solve this problem then. If we, not from
1: a monetary – no, not monetary policy. Forget it. Not going to do it. Yeah.
0: And then at the same time, we might start looking at this, although we're not, interestingly, and say, well, my goodness, prices are getting higher. Uh, I could borrow more because there's low interest rates. We've got higher inflation. Things are becoming more expensive. What a great time to borrow because uh, it, it's like free money because if, if we've got inflation, uh, then actually, you know, over time, then the, the, the value of my debt is going to decrease. And anyway, I'm paying low interest. You know, perhaps in in real terms, I mean, it is like free money. Uh, if the consumers to look at that rationally, they might be thinking like that, but they're not because they're borrowing less because they're worried about the future.
1: Well, that, that, that is rational. That is rational to worry about the future. The <laughs> future, yeah. Uh, it you know, is neoclassical rational not to worry about the future because you already know what's going to happen. But in the real world, uh, you know, the, un- the, the, the I, I, one of my favorite lines from the, from a doll song is the future's uncertain and the end is always near. Yeah. That I can do Jim Morrison or, but that's, that's the basic, that's the basic reality. The future's uncertain. But if you, if your certainty is that there's a collapse of, of, of production, um, then, the last thing you're going to be doing in that environment of collapsing demand uh, is, is take on more debt because uh, the only way you're going to service the debt is you have a cash flow out of, out of the uh, you know, way you employ the money you've borrowed and that isn't going to happen. So you can have a collapsing credit-based demand at the same time. And all this stuff, the only way you're going to sustain anything is government money creation.
0: Yeah. Well, that is the only way out, isn't it? Because if you, if you look at that situation I gave in Newquay, where we couldn't get any anywhere to eat out, we had money in our pocket to spend that was going to keep people in jobs. Those people weren't, you know, the money wasn't going into those uh, into those companies that were paying the people to work in those restaurants. Uh, the Resolution Foundation has said the, uh, the benefits of COVID has been, uh, one of them has been uh, that lower paid workers have now got more bargaining power because there's... Uh, because there's fewer uh, uh, people than there are jobs currently. So there's a shortage of uh, of labour. Uh, but, I mean, I think that's only temporary, isn't it? I think the the, the long-term picture is going to be that the lower-income workers are the ones who long-term are going to lose their jobs through all of this, and the only people who can afford the stuff that that, that is really needed, as you said before, are going to be the rich. Uh, so the rich are going to be the people who feel it least. So we're going to get a, a, a wider divide in society. So the, the government policy has got to be across all of this, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it has to be, and and that uh, you know, the, the, and that's actually one reason to be thankful that MMT has started to permeate um, intellectual and policy circles these days, because uh, when when you realise you're going to have to, you know, generate a large amount of fiat money to keep cash flow such that firms can remain. I have their doors open remain to having some level of profitability so they can continue functioning uh, then the fact that the government can create that you know in in domestic currency indefinitely uh, and it and it isn't isn't you know going to mean that we're going to oh dear we we monetarily survive the crisis uh, we, and and then because of that we we die because of a monetary crisis for our kids that's not going to happen um, so th- there's at least the positive that we realize that it's possible in a sense to, have the, the, to finance this as we finance the Second World War, which is by creating the money necessary. And then that provides the cash flow. That means that companies that aren't able to sell what they used to sell before the war can sell what they can during the war to the government. Back then it was dropping bombs on the Germans and the Nazis. Now it's, uh, it's going to be trying to rapidly decarbonize the, the economy. and, uh, and But, but if that, but
0: then, if that right. is placing demand... That uh, if that is adding to the demand that wouldn't be there otherwise, this government money is putting money in people's pockets, and then they're using it to consume, and they will be using it to consume those resources that, again, you know, we were talking about in a couple of weeks, are, are going to be in uh, uh, in short supply. Uh, like you know, the components which, components which? needed from for microchips, for example. The which, more we is, the mm, more yeah. the more we use complicated technology in cars, for example, the more those microchips are needed. Uh, the more money we have, the more we demand it.
1: And the more rationing we need as a result, and this is the other side. Again, I think we really have to uh, look back at what we for, what we for, what we forgot from the Second World War uh, was as well as having a mobilisation to attack the direct uh, problem of the you know if if you don't mobilise properly, you're going to have to learn how to to um, do the Heil Hitler salute. Um, that uh, as well was matched by rationing. So mm-hmm. you would simply. You know, you had to eat chicory rather than coffee, for example. Uh, The tea, so much for tea because you couldn't import tea anymore because that was Sri Lanka, too far away. Uh, So what you had to do was take demand out of the private sector, which is what selling war bonds was all about. Not financing the war, but um, meaning that the... Uh, uh, consumer economy had its money locked up in bonds and therefore couldn't buy all that much. And that was the deliberate intent of those war bonds. So a similar thing now, we have to, we'd we have to have government money creation and rationing at the same time and do it in such a way that it's accepted as being fair. Because if it's not accepted as being fair, uh, then you have social breakdown.
0: Yeah. Well, but, I mean, doesn't price... Uh, act as the rationing factor if you've only got a certain amount of something then i mean it doesn't help the you know the, the poor people but the but the rich will just buy uh whatever they can afford and uh and will control demand that way
1: well if, if you if I mean, you so means it's not
0: a healthy future uh because there'll be a lot of people doing without but i mean that would be the way the economy would figure it out isn't it
1: that's one way we'd figure it out, but the, the trouble is that if you then are paying people a dying wage, mm. uh, which is what would be the, the case, then um, you know when that starts happening, you get uh, you know variations on the Arab Spring coming your way. People revolt, yeah, and uh, you and and, and you, you challenge the uh, the it, the system. It it works in a in a textbook piece of piece of paper. But politically, it would lead to social breakdown. Well, yeah. So you it, can't do it that way. Yeah,
0: we wouldn't have an Arab Spring, though, because you wouldn't be able to send the messages on mobile phones because the poor people who are going to revolt wouldn't be able to afford a mobile phone. Uh, maybe maybe that's the way it'll figure itself out. But, I mean, it's, um, it's all about consumerism, isn't it? Uh, mm, you know, yeah. the, the more we spend, the, the better the economy, we're told. Uh, and it's been very aspirational in the past. We like to show off our wealth with expensive cars, big houses, flash clothes. Uh, and it's always been thus, hasn't it? Although actually after the Great Depression, apparently we were a little less focused on the procedure being wealthy and consumerist because, uh, you know, it was a bit of a, d- a dirty word, but that didn't mm. last, that didn't last long. But I wonder, so, you know, this is uh, conspicuous consumption, isn't it? Uh, where yeah, we, we yeah. D- demand things to signal our social status. I sort of sense that maybe we are reaching the end of that now and uh, we are now this is uh, what was thorsten zeiblund wasn't he with the guy who came up with his argument was uh, if products were overvalued because of the status they provided then limit production would limit employment uh, and therefore sort of conspicuous consumption was a was a bad thing because uh, you were you were limiting supply uh, to try and add value to something and therefore you were employing less people. So that was a, it was a bad thing, which is a bit like now, the same thing happening because we're running out of materials. Um, but I, I, I wonder whether we're, we're over the age of conspicuous consumption anyway. And actually now we, we do want to consume less. The question is, what do we do with our money? If you've got money, what do you do? And I think you probably invest it in experiences which are probably better for the planet than buying stuff.
1: Well, I mean, what what you're going to if if, you do fa- if we do start facing let's let's just put a hypothetical here. Mm. If we do start facing massive collapses in the capacity to supply essential uh, products um, uh, for the manufacturing processes that sustain our current lifestyles, uh, then you are going to have to have a rationing. Uh, which means that the diversity of products we currently experience has to be dramatically reduced. And, uh, I mean, you know, you just, when we went shopping a couple of days ago for the first time in three months, because of the COVID outbreak here, and you walk, walk past, you know, the cosmetic section and there's 40 brands of, of shampoo. Um, and, in in this situation, it comes down. You have, you have one brand of shampoo, one brand of conditioner. If we indeed make conditioner, are uh, you just drastically reduce the variety um, and and reduce the amount of energy and effort going into producing a wide range of consumer goods just to provide enough for the people to survive? But then you while are you go through this
0: right? Yeah. But then you then you are saying, well, okay, we're getting rid of competition in doing that. You you are. Yeah. It's a it's a state controlled uh, economy. In in effect, yeah. isn't
1: it? Yeah, Well, yeah, I mean, you've and that, and that was, again, the Second World War. Hmm. I mean, there uh, was a state-controlled economy. You had um, uh, General Motors was making tanks, not, uh, not cars, and the whole idea of the ball bonds, again, was to reduce the demand for cars so that more of the money would go into making tanks. And, uh, and a similar thing this time, you would you want you know, a, a minimal level of um, demand for uh, the, the, the variety that used to exist beforehand... Uh, you end up having the state saying everything we're doing is going towards climate change uh, and then we provide uh, the, the minimal uh, need to uh, produce the commodities we, which we need on, on a sort of flow basis you know uh, the food uh, electricity etc um, etc et whereas the stock goods we build things which last for some length of time like cars and so on you know you uh, reduce yourself to a, a, a trivial number of manufacturers a trivial number of A volume of cars coming out of them, and you you enhance your repair effort if where that where that's feasible. Mm. Um, You know, or or in the case we'd be we'd be retooling all this stuff, or saying well, forget about cars. It's going to be public transport or bicycles. Um, So it's a world rationing is inevitable in that sort of world, and in that situation, the price system, even though you're going to have inflation, the price system becomes irrelevant and a major factor. Again, in the Second World War, uh, was trying to. Uh, constrained demand to stop inflation occurring, and they were successful at that. There wasn't a large amount of inflation in the Second World War.
0: Yeah. Well, so do you think we are going to be stuck with inflation? I mean, we you, you, we spoke before the pandemic, mm. uh, and you were, you know, we were talking about because we've been doing this this podcast for that long. Yes. Mm. Um. The yeah for several years before the pandemic actually. Uh, and you mm. know, we were talking a lot about the dangers of low inflation and how we were, we were stuck in a low inflation environment. Do you think that is still the case, or do you think this whole thing about supply means that... Uh i mean there's two issues aren't there there's the temporary supply issues which are related to covid and that they mm. you know and this is where the, the central bank speakers are all there saying it's transitory and they they've probably got a point on that in the, if there's a shortage of supplies for for some things for a short period of time then you 're going to reach a peak but then as supply picks up again, that inflation is going to is going to drop down you 're not going to have sustained rises in prices that's going to push up inflation so in that environment, perhaps you would go back to that low inflation environment that we were in before but if we've got big issues that there's an ongoing shortage of supply that is not to do with covid or maybe covid continues to play an important part of our life so it's part of the mix but it's the it's actually accessing the uh, the, the minerals we need like for example for computer chips then uh, which, which is becoming an increasingly important part of everything we consume then mm-hmm. you could see inflation would become, you know, something we live with for for a lot longer. And that low inflation environment that you're talking about perhaps isn't gonna isn't gonna come back.
1: Or or the price system becomes less relevant, and you go to rationing. Yeah. And 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 that is, and then the ration firms are provided uh, with a cash flow generated by the government uh, to enable them to produce the the amount that you produce. And most of those chips go towards what's necessary for uh, decarbonising the economy, rather than. You know, consumer desires to have the faster Nintendo device.
0: Mm. Yeah, we're not going to be very happy about that, though, are we? Uh, but I mean, I, I guess the the rationing. I mean, there's one thing: it's going to force us to recycle, isn't it? If we if we're told we can't have a you can't have a new computer chip unless you give us your old one back, uh, you can do you can do that sort of thing, which might actually help the help the environment.
1: Or, or you get to the point where. Uh, you know what? Your computer you've got is the computer you're going to have for the future, unless you can prove it's broken down. In which case, you can go and get a, you can go and, and buy a replacement. And here's the here's the, the limited range of machines that are available. Uh, and you better be careful about what you spend your money on, because if you spend too much on that, you won't have enough for uh, the other, uh, not not the other essential things. Again, one thing about rationing is to make sure everybody gets enough, at least to survive. Uh, this sounds you, like the worst any- of
0: this sounds like the worst of Soviet Russia. It's like yes, yeah, so yep, if you've yep, you, yep. you got a car, yep. you, you're stuck with it. There's going to be, no, and we know what happens there. There's absolutely no innovation because there's no incentive for innovation, and innovation could actually make things more efficient. But there would be no one there doing that stuff. We'd all be, uh, you know, looking navel gazing and saying, uh, "Oh, wasn't it better in, in in the olden days when before before we had to queue for everything?"
1: Well, no, I think you'd still have innovation because. Uh, I mean, the innovation we need now is is ways to rapidly decarbonize the economy, and that's where the effort would go. And the amount of innovation during the Second World War, particularly, you know, of course, that was in the military, um, but, you know, the the dramatic levels of innovation at that point, uh, because you need it, otherwise, you're going to lose the war. And exactly the same thing applies here. We'd we'd need to have, again, a large amount of resources being devoted to innovation, but this would be government funded. Uh, rather than individual firms trying to profit out of it.
0: So uh, there's an an argument, isn't that, uh, when you hear old people talking about young people about how they need to manage their expectations. You know, they've got this expectation that they're going to live in a big house and uh, have expensive cars, and it wasn't like that when we were young, uh, you know, because we had cars that kept on breaking down. Uh, I can't remember how many times my car broke down when I was a uh, a young lad in his twenties. But you know, now mm. you don't think about those things. And uh, you know, they're saying everyone's expecting bigger houses, which actually isn't true. the The peak for housing in the UK uh, was in the 1970s. It was 83 meters square meters, which isn't very big, but that that was the size of UK houses. Now it's down to 67.8 square meters. Uh, so, uh, it, which is lower than it was in the 1930s, and it's been uh, gradually declining since the 1970s because, obviously, there's more the people, there's more higher density housing. But our expectations have fallen uh, over that time in terms of what we expect. Yeah,
1: you, know, you know, your price levels have risen over that time and they've As reduced well. the size of the house to make it affordable. That's what's going on.
0: Yeah. But our, expect, but, but our expectation for what we're going to get for the price, uh, well, not for the price, but our expectation of, of, of our living has declined because yeah, of because yeah. of the because of the rising prices. So I wonder whether we. I mean, and that has been quite gradual to almost the point where nobody notices or even talks about it. But I wonder whether that's actually what's going to happen. We are going to find things are just gradually getting more expensive, including housing. Uh, th- when we're talking about things that you actually consume, stuff, not experiences, that they're just going to get more expensive uh, as uh, as the, the shortage. Just as there's a shortage of land, there becomes a shortage of resources. Uh, mm. Prices start to peak and we just lower our expectations and our consumption. That would be a uh, a less disastrous way without rationing or, uh, or uh, uh, you know, queuing. That could be a, a more gradual way to, to reach that future, couldn't it?
1: Except that again, I mean, it means you know the, the poor, the poor starve because yeah. their their wage falls below their the cost of subsistence, and this is one reason again why I just think it's going to be rationing. Um, if we have it, if we have it, and, and that's why again, in, in in that sense, inflation isn't the worry. It's uh, it, it's it's the, it's the fact we're going to have to ration uh consumption. Uh, to cope with this, when you start getting a breakdown caused by climate uh, climate catastrophes, and therefore you know the inflation will, inflation will be transitory in the sense that there won't be a price system after a while.
0: So what we place is a price system? Well, government right. issued prices. rationing. Right. Okay. I, I,
1: yeah. Well, if you, I mean, so it so doesn't, make, matter, you
0: don't, you doesn't you, there's no price on it? Here's a voucher. You just use it. Is that yeah, what? Yeah, and that was.
1: Uh, that was what was happening in, in so the Second World by,
0: War. I mean, buying from a government-controlled... So you really are talking out-and-out out, uh, communism, aren't you? Well,
1: no, uh, except the communism is supposed to be bountiful, which is, what, of course, not what happened. But no, uh, you're talking a war economy. Okay, And a war economy, you want is all your resources to go to the war effort uh, are just enough to keep the populace that's not actually on the front line about at, back at home alive. Uh, their main role is to provide the machinery that's necessary for the combat effort. And and you just give them enough to be able to stay alive and do that, and you you you, you motivate them so that they um, they accept the sacrifices because they know if they don't accept the sacrifices, they're going to have a, a foreign horde come in and and rape and pillage. Uh, and and in a fundamental sense, that's the analogy for climate change. But uh, we it won't be accepted by the public on any scale, and it certainly won't be accepted by policymakers until we get. Genuine catastrophes. Now, I've got some good news for you, though. You're going to be pleased about this. Good news is that that won't happen until temperatures have risen by 17.68 degrees Celsius.
0: Oh, all right, then.
1: Yeah, and I've got this on firm authority. Firm authority, of course, being an economics paper that's just come out, which is what's wasted my time for the last uh, 17. Uh, <laughs> 17.68. I mean, you've got to get this right. right. You know, let's, not be, let's not be inaccurate here. So the, the catastrophic temperature where our willingness to pay uh, to avoid catastrophe uh, is 17.68 degrees Celsius. Um, that's in this paper, and it's derived in a very mathematical and very very sophisticated way. I'll quote the footnote that's involved. This is a paper by, uh, by uh, Dietz and, 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 and Wagner and two other people. The catastrophic warming temperature is derived from the assumption that economic losses rise quadratically and are calibrated to a loss of two percent at two point five degrees warming. So we, you know, if, uh, it, 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 it only takes seventeen point six eight degrees. Increase until there's zero zero economy left,
0: right? Well, what well, then, but they wankens. are right. If oh. the temperature does rise by seventeen point whatever degrees, there will be no economy. I mean, they're right about that. Just, oh,
1: there will be no yeah. life forms. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs>
0: okay. So well, let me give a slightly more optimistic. Uh, oh no!
1: Don't ruin the theme. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, imagine if we if we do have this scarcity of resources and mm. uh, and it does push up prices because there's less of it around and that means that uh you know uh, rich people can afford it much more easily than poor people there'll be things that poor people just can't afford to buy but there will also be ways that it's you know it, it, they try and stretch it as far as they can so that the the market is as broad as possible so then what does everyone do for their money all those people who uh, you know the rich people might be owning the factories that are making this stuff what are the poor people doing well, just as we had conspicuous consumption, now we've got inconspicuous consumption. So, so rich rich people now aren't spending money on flash things that you can see. They're spending their money on uh, on better health funds and better education for their kids, or for themselves, sort of educating themselves, or going out and having experiences. Uh, and uh, and all of those are very labour-intensive industries. So the poor people will be serving the rich people. Uh, in this inconspicuous consumption age, which will be less resource dependent. Uh, and maybe we just see that, that that the economy just switches more to, you know, to a leisure based type economy. Uh, where, you know, you might have to, you know, the rich people are saying, yes, I, I have a massage twice a day now because I keep two people employed. Uh, I don't really need a massage twice a day, but, you know, that that, that keeps them working and, uh, God, I feel good because of it. And that becomes, you know, that becomes the future, which is us doing stuff that doesn't depend on consumption. it's We're still I, keeping I, I, the, I, I, still keeping the economy going. We're still paying I, I, people, but we're using less resources.
1: I think you got a filled up original there. Inconspicuous consumption—that is a very nice line. <laughs> so I'd work on that one, mate. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if they, again, I'll come back to, to a, uh, a war analogy. Uh, one thing which, we, we, uh, which happened during the Second World War was that the royalty stopped wearing the, 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 the accoutrements of the, of, the, of the ruling class and started wearing ordinary clothes to show they were in it together, and they were also doing a sacrifice. So, in that sense. The, the conspicuous consumption of the royal family uh, during the Second World War flipped over to being inconspicuous consumption because they wanted to show we're all in this together.
0: Yeah, um, but you know, I mean, and, and, but, but, but my yeah. point is not just about you know you yeah, show, uh, showing; it's just actually how you're spending your money. And if yeah, it's yeah. if mean, it's expensive to buy stuff that is resource hungry, well, I'll give you an example. So we you know in our hol- on a holiday this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went on. A, we spent one day uh, in a, an, a, an old uh, slate quarry in uh, in Cornwall where you could climb. Uh, we went sort of climb the cliff walls, uh, mm-hmm. and and then there was a zip line at the end of it. You know, it was a good day out. Kids loved it. I was terrified mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and exhausted, but it was you know an example of, of of spending time and money that was helping the economy. It was keeping all those people employed. It wasn't particularly resource uh, hungry. And uh, yeah. uh, you know, and and that is a better way, of, you know. And I could have been using that money instead to buy a flash car, you know, saving up to buy a flash car. But you know, maybe flash cars will be just so expensive that we don't do that, and we just spend more leisure time doing other stuff. And uh, and and you know, the the economy adjusts accordingly.
1: And I think that's feasible. I mean, because it, it's simply, uh, you, you, and we're all better you, for you, it. You, <laughs> you know, yeah. we are- and, I mean, one, one of the interesting ironies during the Second World War is that people's health uh, improved dramatically. And uh, this is partly where the butter versus margarine stuff came in in the early days. But it, it turned out that uh, it was a lower stress level because it's actually the anticipation of a crisis which causes stress. Once you're in the crisis, you've got to manage it. And in fact, stress levels dropped. So people, the health health records like heart attacks and stuff declined quite radically. And of course, if you're going to do entertainment, uh, you couldn't you know, hop in the car and drive down to the Ritz and take the whole family out for a big dinner and a, and a bash up and go watch the fireworks afterwards. You had to go walking in the countryside. And uh, so yeah, we, it'd be, this sort of stuff could cause a dramatic level in our consumption. And the question is you know how much of what we consume uh, is actually necessary for survival and it may be of the order of you know certainly in the wealthy societies the the, the anglo Saxons, ten percent Japanese could be ten percent you know I don't know I don't know but, but it's certainly less than half of what we currently consume a huge part of what we all do uh, and and especially the rich of course comes down to conspicuous consumption
0: yeah well I, I you know and I just wonder, so that isn't that a healthier? Outlook to the future that we just change our consumption habits, and we use less stuff, and we spend more time doing stuff, and uh, we could keep the economy ticking over with that. And and I think the you know the because you would you know, rather than poor people working in factories, the less well off would be working in these service industries where they've got that face to face connection with the people consuming their products, which are services, and they are going to get better paid because of that. I think you know because they'll be looking at them face to face. And saying you've just you've just given me you know a good time in in whatever way that might be. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't meaning anything like that. We're, a, we're not going to have uh, a happy ending. Uh, in this podcast, have it, exactly. Though. This is the Exactly. We'll let's leave it on that. We'll leave on a happy ending. But you with a, with the happy ending, you always leave a big tip. Uh, so uh, you know maybe that's where the I'm not going to
1: touch that with a barge pole. <laughs> okay,
0: that's what she said. All right,
1: catch you next. <laughs> okay, I'll catch yeah. you
0: next week, Steve. Bye. <laughs> definitely the point to leave that one look next week we're going to look at china uh one of our listeners uh asked you know what was the story now in terms of uh, china's private sector debt which steve had previously said was you know the, the 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 foretaste of a crisis well he's changed his tune on that and we'll also look at also you know what's happening with a more authoritarian china could we see less trade with the west and how's that going to change the global community we'll look at all of that next week on the debunking economics podcast with professor steve keen and phil dobby back then